You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 184, Keys to Effective Bible Study, Part 1. And my background, uh, you know, was a police officer, but I've also been a pastor for many years, but I'm also a trained theologian. I've been to seminary, I've got a PhD in theology, and uh, teaching biblical studies and theology is something that I've done for many, many years. Even while I was a police officer, I was able to work out my schedule where I could do that. I taught for over 10 years at our school of ministry uh, at the C3 Church in Atlanta, and I've taught this kind of stuff all over the world. I've written about it. I teach it, and so periodically, actually more than periodically, regularly, I have people coming up asking for uh, Bible study tips, how to study the Bible. Christians know that they should be getting into God's Word, but sometimes we're just not really sure how to dig deeper than just reading at surface level. And don't get me wrong, God's Word is powerful, and if you just read it at a surface level, you're still going to get so much benefit from it. But when we learn to dig in under the surface and really see what God's saying, it takes um, our lives really to a whole new level. Now, before we get into it, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul in Acts. Like I said, I'm a theologian. This was my first book. Uh, It's a copy of my doctoral dissertation, but it's more than that. It's a readable version of my doctoral dissertation that really goes in depth into the book of Acts and looks at the two most eminent apostles in the early church, Peter and Paul. And really what we want to do in the book is we want to uh, see how these two guys did ministry. And, you know, sure, it was 2,000 years ago, but what can we still learn today about how Peter and Paul did ministry? Uh, This is a great book for personal Bible study, for group Bible study. Check it out. There will be a link in the show notes, and I know you'll love it. Well, all right, we are back, and we are talking about keys to effective Bible study, and this is the first of two parts. And what I want to do first is I want to give you um, three questions to ask yourself when you get ready to read a particular book in the Bible. And we're going to use the book of Acts as, uh, as our example to work through as we ask these questions. Uh, like I said, this episode's brought brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul and Acts, and we will use the Acts of the Apostles as our example. So, if, if I'm going to read the book of Acts, and maybe I've never read it before, maybe I've never really gone into the book of Acts saying, you know what, I'm going to spend some time, I'm not just going to read it, I'm going to study, I'm going to dig in and see what I can learn during this study. There's three things that you can ask yourself. There's three questions 
that are going to help you as you prepare to study the book of Acts. First of all, number one, who was the audience? Who was this book being written to? And we find this out, obviously, by reading, because reading the text will tell us so much about who the author is writing to. For example, if you read the Gospel of Matthew versus the Gospel of Mark, it's very clear that Matthew is writing to a Jewish, a Hebrew audience. Um, Mark, on the other hand, was writing to an audience who had little or no knowledge of Jewish religious practices. And so you can, just by reading the text, you can pick that up very easily. So what we see by by reading the book of Acts is we see that that Luke, who's the author, we'll talk about him in a minute, is writing to an audience um, of people who um, have some knowledge of the Jewish faith, but also uh, come from a more of a Greek background. And, you know, one of the ways that we find out who the audience was, was we, we can dig in and look at some Bible study sites and find out who is actually being written to. And what we find out at the very beginning of the book of Acts is that he's writing to a Greek man, or at least he has a Greek name, uh, a man named Theophilus. And we don't really know who he is. Most scholars tend to think that he was probably a wealthy patron who supported uh, Luke while he wrote this book. I mean, uh, writing a book was an expensive uh, task back in the first century. The papyrus alone of, for a book the size of, of Luke and Acts would be uh, just incredibly expensive. And then all the travel that was involved. So um, we find that, that probably uh, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, was written to a Christian Greek audience. And this is important because in the early church, there was tension between the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians. The Jewish Christians believed that it was only by completely following uh, the law of Moses that one found faith in Jesus. And Luke actually, at the middle point of the gospel, um, he he actually gets into some theology and dispels that myth. They have a big uh, conference in Jerusalem, and this is discussed. What does it take to become a Christian? Does a Greek person, a Greek male, have to be circumcised, and do they have to keep every element of the Jewish law? And again, very, very important for, for you and I, because chances are you're not Jewish either. Um, and so this is this is who Luke was writing to. Excuse me, Greeks and non-Jews with a background in idolatry. And we see that in so many places throughout the book of Acts, especially as as they start evangelizing further and further out of Jerusalem and Judea. Now they move into areas where there's a lot of idolatry. And, you know, the Greeks are known for for, for their, uh, the the Greek religion is known for its polytheism, multiple gods. And so this is something that comes up many, many times in this book. So who is the audience that, that's being written to? And we, we, the same, same question should be asked whatever book you're reading. Um, whether you're reading the Psalms, whether you're reading one of Paul's letters, if you're reading Revelation, who is the author writing to? 
The second question we want to ask ourselves is, who is the author of the book? Because this is going to tell us an awful lot. Um, as we mentioned, the, 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 the good Dr. Luke is usually understood to be the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. And, you know, what do we know about him as a writer? Well, first of all, we find out when we read uh, the book of Acts that he was a very, very good writer. Um, If you were to read the Acts of the Apostles or the Gospel of Luke in the original Greek, you'd find that that Luke had the, the most educated Greek in all of the New Testament, which, of course, that was the language the New Testament was written in. His vocabulary is bigger than everyone else's. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a, that tells us a lot about the author himself. Um, I mentioned the fact that he was an, a doctor. We don't find this out in, in the Acts of the Apostles, but the Apostle Paul referred to Luke as the beloved physician. But what we do find is when Luke describes physical ailments, sicknesses, other types of infirmities, he gives very he gives much more detailed information than any other writer. So so it's probably uh, you know safe to assume that yes indeed he was a doctor. We also know that uh, the author of the the Acts of the Apostles was a close friend and traveling companion with the Apostle Paul. In fact, there are two significant sections of the book that. Um, our first person. He refers to the, 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 the group that he's traveling with as we and us. and um, So he's actually part of the story. So it's um, very significant that, that Luke is not just telling what happened, but there are parts of the book that he witnessed it. He was an eyewitness. And, and being a friend and team member of the Apostle Paul is a pretty significant thing as well because, you know, the Apostle Paul was one of those guys who... Um, his leadership success was based on the teams of leaders that he built. You know, there was a perception for a while in the church that that Paul was this kind of lone ranger, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Paul set up teams of ministry and put people in place, and that kind of leads us to our, our our third idea about Luke as the author. We also know that Luke was a pastor. And we know this a couple of ways. First of all, as I mentioned, the the we passages. Um, You know, one of those we passages was when they were planting the church in the city of Philippi. And some persecution flared up and the Apostle Paul and some of his teammates were forced to leave. But Luke stayed behind to pastor the church. And the way he writes his book, he writes as a pastor. He obviously cares about people. He writes about people's problems. He writes about challenges that people face. And he tells great stories. And listen, you know, if you've been to church any time recently, that it's very easy to go to church, hear a sermon, and leave without really letting it um, become a part of us, without internalizing it. But if you've heard a great message that had great stories and great illustrations, you're much, much more likely to remember it. So the, 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 Luke, the writer, um, writes like a pastor. He teaches through stories. 
He doesn't give us a theological treatise. He doesn't give us a doctrinal statement. He tells stories and conveys truth within those stories. Now, of course, we're talking about Acts, but again, we can use this same thing talking about our author when we look at other writings. Um, When we uh, read the Gospels, uh, Matthew we mentioned, uh, obviously the author of Matthew was uh, a Hebrew. He knew a Jewish man. He knew Jewish customs. He knew the law. He was familiar with the the Hebrew Bible um, in, in in a very powerful way, and he wrote in that way. Um, he wrote to a Jewish audience, but he also wrote like a Jewish man, writing about those things that would be important to his audience, but also the things that he thought were important as a Jewish man. One of those was the fulfillment of the prophecies that Jesus was the Messiah. And so that's a, another important thing that we need to look at. The Apostle Paul, we learn much, much about him by reading the letters. Obviously, we're blessed because we have Acts of the Apostles, which gives us some biographical information, but we also have his letters, which corroborate what what is written in Acts, the historical record, but we also have Paul telling his first-person account in some cases. And so we learn much, much about um, the author by reading what they wrote. So it's good to ask these questions. Um, Who was the book written to? Who was the author? And, 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 and knowing who the author is, what does that tell us? We mentioned um, you know, Luke being very educated. When we read the Gospel of Mark, which is, is my favorite gospel, very profound, very powerful gospel, but if you read it in the Greek, it's not nearly as good a Greek as Luke wrote. It's not as, as, uh, the, the vocabulary is not as big. It's not written as well. It's obvious that uh, the author of the Gospel of Mark, Greek, was not his first language. I mean, he, he writes clear enough. He, he conveys his message. I mean, we still read the book 2,000 years later, but Luke very clearly um, had Greek as his first language. So again, we find out something. We find out who's educated, who's not educated. We get an idea of their background. So audience, author, and then what can we find out about the book by reading the text and by looking at the text and by examining the text itself. Well, first of all, let's look at a couple of things, just a couple of ideas in uh, the, the the book of Acts, and we'll actually look at the Gospel of Luke as well. When we talk about Luke-Acts, because originally it was one document, originally Luke-Acts was passed around as one huge scroll containing the Gospel of Luke and then the Acts of the Apostles. What we find out is... Luke-Acts composes 25% of the New Testament's Testament's writings. That is huge. That tells us that Luke wrote a quarter of our New Testament. Um, This is is very significant because, um, and especially when you you think about the canon of Scripture, 27 books, but yet he occupies 25% of the New Testament. The other thing that Luke does is he basically uses the same template for Acts as he does for Luke. Just a couple of examples. Um, There's a a birth narrative about Jesus. Well, there's also a birth narrative about the church. That's the day of Pentecost. Um, We see Jesus baptized, and when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. There was a, a visible sign. There was physical manifestations. There was a sound from heaven. 
Um, well, we also see the same thing in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. There were physical manifestations. There was uh, a physical sign from heaven, tongues of fire, sound of rushing wind. And then they spoke in new tongues. And of course, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So very similar things. And as you move through, as you march through the Gospel of Luke, and as you march through the Acts of the Apostles, you see Luke really using um, a very similar template in putting the, the two books together. And Luke also tells us, he's very, very kind to tell us how he wrote. Um, you know, most authors don't do this. Most authors do not give us, you know, their, their writing method. But Luke actually tells us what was important to him and why he wrote as he did. Let me give you an example. In Luke chapter 1, listen to what he says. Actually, back up one chapter. Here we go. And this is from Luke chapter 1. Of course, this is the gospel, but he's talking about both of his writings. Listen to what he said. Inasmuch as many as as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as who just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So we mentioned Theophilus, but now here's Luke telling us how he wrote. And then in, in Acts 1, he kind of continues that vein. He says, In my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, what you see is Luke talking in, in, in the gospel. He talks about how um, eyewitnesses and people delivering up statements. And so you get this idea of Luke actually sitting down with people and, and interviewing them as he as he wrote his book. This doesn't seem like a big deal to us today, but obviously Luke wanted to get it right. Um, it's, it's significant that Luke is the guy who gives us Mary's version of what happened with the birth of Jesus. And she was probably still alive at the time he wrote his book. And when you read Luke 1 and 2, and you read that story of the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus, you get this feeling that maybe Luke sat down with her and interviewed her and got her side of the events because it reads like an eyewitness account. So Luke gives us an idea of how he wrote. And then again, we mentioned Matthew. For Matthew, it was very important to tell us and to build a case that Jesus was the Messiah. So in his text, he gives account after account after account of how Jesus fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy. And so when he would he would actually use these words, he would say, Jesus did this or this happened to fulfill the prophecy in which it was written. And he'll give the, the quotation from the Hebrew Scriptures. So it's awesome to dig into the text and see what the author thinks is important. The other thing about the text is, um, as we just said, you know what the author thinks the reader needs to hear. Because Luke doesn't tell us everything about the early church, but he does give us a number of, of highlights. He gives us another number of high points. Basically gives us the first 30 years of the early church. 
So by digging in and, and seeing what Luke's, Luke thinks is important, we can also see some things that really still are important today. Obviously, when you're doing a history, you can't cover every single thing, but Luke, being the, the theologian, being the pastor, being the educated man, he knew what the church then needed to see and hear, but also maybe even the next generation and the generation after that, and even our generation, what we might need to hear as well. Well, that's all for today. I'm going to stop there just talking about the background. Next time, we're actually going to get into, um, uh, we're going to talk about a thematic approach to studying the Scriptures. There's many different ways to study the Scriptures. This is just one example, again, because the question comes to me so often, how can I study the Bible better? So I'm just throwing some ideas out. So um, what I would encourage you to do is just use these three questions. Who's the audience? Who's the author? And what can I learn from the text? The next time you're getting ready to do some Bible study, it will help you very much. And I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this? Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or comment in the day, in, in uh, the section for today's podcast. Also, make sure while you're there, you sign up to get my free newsletter. I send out three blog posts a week. This podcast is actually one of them. And by signing up, you also get my free subscribers-only newsletter that I send out at least once a month. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And we'll see you next week as we get into part two of Keys to Effective Bible Study.